I'm Talib Vizram, and this is World Changing Ideas from Fast Company Magazine, where we investigate how leading innovators are solving our most challenging issues. Hey, everybody. As part of our new initiative to bring you more context on the topics we cover, we're starting a series we're calling Innovators Inspiration. Joining me to kick things off is our producer, Avery Miles. Hi, Avery. Hi, Talib. Since our show is all about innovation, we wanted to really home in on what drives people to develop the ideas that ultimately solve those challenging issues we face. And to do that, we decided to ask our guests what originally motivated them to come up with their idea to solve a particular issue. Plus, have a little fun answering some other questions about innovation. What have we got today? Well, we know water scarcity is an extremely critical issue, with over 1 billion people lacking access to safe drinking water. So in order to tackle that, one way is to actually grab water from the air. Oh, really? Yeah. But I don't want to give away too much information right now, so listeners, stay tuned for more on that. And in the meantime, here's a sneak peek at the upcoming interview with Source Global's CEO and founder, Cody Friesen. So what's the most innovative idea you've seen, read, or heard about lately? Oh, geez. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um... So there's a company called Nitricity, which uh, takes sunlight and air and makes nitrogen fertilizer, right? So you can now make fertilizer distributed. So instead of a multi-billion dollar, it's called the Haber-Bosch plant, uh, that, you know, corresponds to two to three percent of all anthropogenic carbon. Instead, right, every farmer can make their own fertilizer. So the same kind of idea, what I've talked about with water, how do we take sunlight and instead of thinking about renewable energy as just electricity, how do we think about renewable energy as resources? So we're tackling water. Electricity is tackling uh, nitrogen as fertilizer. It's pretty cool. Awesome. Is there a historical invention or idea that, that you really admire? Yeah, I think you know, there's something really beautiful about the simplicity of the Stirling engine. Huh. Uh, I've collected antique original Stirling engines, and you know they're just sort of really neat that you can take hot air, external combustion engine, and you know, turn that into mechanical motion without any valves. And you know, it's very, very simple. Of course, it's not very efficient, but it's sort of a beautiful, sort of elegant solution to a problem. And so anyway, I, I think uh, Stirling engines are cool. Yeah. I sort of collect antique uh, scientific uh, gear. So I've got uh, this really neat balance in my home. It's called a chainomatic. And it's from uh, 1917. So it's a normal balance, got the silver scales and it's exactly what you would think of. But then it has a micrometer bar and a crank and it's got a little hook and then a really fine gold chain that hangs catenoidally from that hook over to just next to the fulcrum of the balance. And so when you turn that crank, a little bit more, a little bit less of that fine gold chain hangs from the balance. And so that balance gets you down to 0.1 milligram resolution. So it's kind of this really neat, again, beautiful, elegant solution to a otherwise pretty hard problem. Yeah. So there was a purpose of doing physics at school. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> we talked a little bit about your initial motivation to come up with Source. Did you have like a specific light bulb moment? Do you kind of remember the exact moment? Yeah. It, there's sort of several things that 
con- were sort of coming together at once. I'd grown up in the kind of a cotton field where flood irrigation occurs, you know, multiple months a year, but it's in the desert. So it's sort of like this juxtaposition. And then I was in the renewable energy space, which of course attracts people because it's a massive opportunity, a massive problem statement. And yet when we are doing work in Indonesia or in Central America and so on, the technology I was delivering at that point, which was batteries, children would come around the installations because what we were doing is taking these very dirty diesel generators that were sort of powering cell towers and so on out of their villages, which of course, when they ran, they would sort of put that sort of dank, you know, kind of think 1970s Mercedes, you know, kind of diesel exhaust over the, uh, in a very humid kind of low wind area. We'd replace that with something that didn't create any exhaust. And so here you have all these kids in a place, you know, where they're excited because there's no longer diesel fumes. And so it's sort of the unlock of, okay, could we apply the principles of renewables to water and then also solve a problem for these people who are living in far-flung places? Remember, in Indonesia, it's 17,000 islands. 14,000 islands have people on them. Talk about wow. an infrastructure problem, right? Yeah. And so, and then, of course, the Philippines is 8,000 islands with 6,000 people on them, 6,000 islands with people on them. So, so you think about, the challenges associated with infrastructure, what solar does for them, what solar does for electricity. And if you could do that in water, just that unlock. And so that was sort of the, I don't know if that's really a light bulb moment. I should probably come up with a snappier answer for that. But you know, I think the reality is just sort of this confluence of things where it was like, okay, there's a lot here with renewables, but we're kind of missing the opportunity to really solve for other resources that are maybe even more important than electricity. Cody, if you weren't doing this, if you, uh, you know, if you were not this podcast, if you weren't creating hydro panels and solving, you know, one of the world's biggest issues, what do you think you'd be doing in life and, and why? Well, you know, I'm sort of, um, I'm a type A personality, a recovering type A personality, maybe poorly recovering, maybe type A personality, <laughs> who, you know, kind of a serial entrepreneur, serial innovator, and I'd probably be working in the renewable energy space, but maybe on something different, maybe on something related to batteries, maybe something related to hydrogen, maybe some other resource. And the reason why I was excited about nitricity when they came along is, I don't know, 15, more than that, 15 years ago, I filed a couple of patents on a way you could electrochemically make ammonia from atmosphere, right? It didn't work that well, but it was a, an idea, right? And so these guys have cracked it open and made it work, right? And so be something along those lines and be something along the lines of how do we take this idea of this free sunlight and turn that into stuff that's good for humanity. Yeah. I really wish that more of this startup and academic brain trust, those two places, those two brain trusts, I wish that they were more applied to in the startup environment, we get kind of into the zone of frivolity a lot, right? Yeah. I wish a lot more of that was applied to problems that when solved would lift humanity up. So probably in that zone. In an ideal world with unlimited budget, resources, time, what would you want to build or or help solve? You mean other than drinking water? (laughs) Yeah, as if that wasn't enough, right? But do you have another dream or ambition in terms of innovation? This is almost sort of not answering your question, but I'll try to bend it back. Sure. One of the things that I've really discovered in my travels, I've been to over 50 countries now, and many of those are places that you know people don't go for vacation often, is that people of modest means are some of the happiest people that 
I've ever come across. There's something beautiful about life in a village in a far-flung place. How do we give those people, whether they're indigenous people or you know those different groups, how do we give those people a leg up? How do we give people technology that works for them, that solves their fundamental problems in a way that takes forward their culture and that part that makes them seem so happy and maybe build cultures, build environments that are actually maybe better off than we are, Yeah. right? And so there's sort of this open question in my mind of how do you do that? You think about sort of, we're basically infinitely wealthy in the US. I mean, many of us are, the overwhelming majority of us are compared to the rest of the world. I don't want to project, but I, I sort of view us as having so many resources at our fingertips. How do we do that for others in a way that's maybe better than our current culture? And I don't know what the answer is. And if I did, maybe I'd be doing that. But I think one piece of that is water. That's all for this episode. If you are a new listener, be sure to subscribe to World Changing Ideas wherever you listen. If you like this episode, give us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. World Changing Ideas is produced by Avery Miles.